There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped at 10 and Grinch, Michael Biden. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired NYPD sergeant with 27 years of service. And with me tonight, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing tonight, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. How about you? I think we should call this the late, late show. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> we're coming on at 10.15. There's been a lot of uh, YouTube traffic. We had yeah. to... Uh, we had to avoid some of the big guns out there so we can get some of the audience store, some of the crumbs here. Not that our fans are the crumbs. They're great. Our fans are second to none. Absolutely. absolutely. But, uh, you know, sometimes we have to avoid the big guns, but there's been so much coverage on this case. And this case is, uh, you know, tremendously interesting. Of course, I'm referring to the Casey White and the Vicky White, uh, you know, prison. We can't, we can't really call it a prison break, but it was where a correction officer on the 29th of April, assisted a basically career criminal to escape from a jail. And we differentiated between a jail and a prison. A jail is a less secure facility where you would serve less than a year or just be in a holding pattern. And whereas a prison, that's where you're incarcerated when you're convicted of a felony and you're serving much more than uh, one year. So I just had to differentiate between that uh, for our, our fans or subscribers, whatever you want to call yourselves. Phil, what do you think? Well, uh, you know, I put in the chat, hello to all, and I said, welcome to a, a later edition of Police Off the Cuff. And a lot of uh, a lot of positive comments came in behind it, saying that uh, they like the idea of doing it a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, we're just trying to avoid some of the uh, massive media coverage on this case. Um, obviously, a very interesting case. Uh it's not your ordinary uh, escape prisoner. This was uh, a prisoner that was taken out of the jail by a corrections officer, uh, you know, a, a career corrections officer, so to speak. I mean, she uh, was with the corrections department there for quite some time. And uh, she basically threw it all away, decided to hatch a plan to uh, break this Casey White out of jail. But uh, they didn't do a breakout. They just walked out, actually. Uh, you know, she uh, came up with a plot to... Uh, you know, uh, fake a uh, medical visit for him. And uh, they were on the run after that, you know, but they did a lot of preparation. Uh, yeah, there's there's the shot. There's the them, famous uh, picture of the walkout. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that that was really a walkout. And uh, she's very nonchalant in that. And uh, obviously we talked about how the protocols were broken in the, uh, you know, the fact that there was supposed to be two corrections officers at least uh, when they were transporting uh an individual of his size. Uh, so again, you know, it's a, it's a real crazy story, a very unusual story. Uh, unfortunately for her, it ended tragically. She uh, committed suicide when the, uh, when the marshals moved in and they uh, T-boned the car. So uh, he's back in custody. He's going to stand trial for uh, a capital. He's probably going to hit, be hit with the charges of escape and all the rest that's going to go along with it regarding his uh attempt at uh you know escaping from jail so there you have it you know uh b abernathy wow crumbs this crumb just broke off duty run and fell into your show thank you b abernathy we need a few more crumbs to join our show but thank you so much for being a crumb of ours that's uh that really is good little may little mermaid it's 7 p.m here in california so this perfect. is perfect for you, Little Mermaid, right? Phil and I we're pushing our we're pushing our bedtime, you know. But uh, this is great, Coach. Phil and Bill on the late tour. I'll sign the overtime slips. Thank you, hey, Coach. Hey, I we, like that. <laughs> we appreciate that. You know something? When I was in homicide, I had a team of six guys, and there was eighteen detectives in the office, and they just signed my name on their overtime slips, and everyone signed all the bosses' names, and we didn't care as long as you know. No one pitched a bitch that their mathematics wasn't was incorrect on the overtime slip, but yeah, I've been out for a long time. So if Internal Affairs wants to go look at that now, they could see that uh, 
all the detectives signed my name and uh, they probably did for every boss in the office. But uh, we, we did similar stuff uh, in my office as well. But you know what it is? We had guys that you could trust. There were some guys, you know, once in a while they would push the uh, envelope a little bit with the uh, when you're working with a close group of guys and you know that nobody's going to. I'm going to use a bad word here. Fuck the duck, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, Phil, I always uh, wondered what the derivation of that was, you know. And folks, for this is like a policeism, uh, when he said the term fuck the duck, that was used as people abusing overtime. And yeah. I was like, what? Well, how does that correlate to abusing overtime, fucking a duck? You know, I just. Yeah, I, I, I never really stopped and thought about it. But yeah, that is quite odd to pl place that kind of a terminology on abusing overtime. But uh, yeah, we quite often use that uh, that term when we talk. Yeah, no, about I, I heard that. I used to say there's feathers all over the office from you guys, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. I like that, too. But, you know. We try not to use the F-bomb here, but uh, yeah, yeah, we I have just, to explain uh, this to you, go. Tom yeah. Cusinelli, a captain, statue of limitations expired. No worries. Good. You're yeah. right, ca Captain. Uh, but I'm sure that uh, it's that practice is still done today. So let's get back to this yeah. case. So many things that, of course, the thing that shocked everyone except for us is that uh, Vicky White uh, committed suicide. And you would think that this was the Lindbergh kidnapping or this was the Kennedy's assassination. Everyone's questioning whether or not, in fact, she committed suicide. How do we know that she committed suicide? How do we know that Casey White didn't shoot her during wow. this chase? I'm going to play a little bit, of course, the dash cam. This is the famous dash cam um, uh, video that everyone has been showing. And, you know, here you are, modern-day policing. Everything is recorded. Here, here we go here. It's a little low in the beginning. That's when they're taking him out of the car. Yes. You can see the car on its side. Stop it there for a second, but I just want to comment a little bit. Um, yeah, the car is on its side. You see up trucks. Apparently, uh, they, they uh, forced it into that maneuver and uh, into that position. But um, the the uh, the 911 call, she was on the phone with 911 when they were crossing over that median, when they were crossing over that grass. Bill, do you have the 911 call or no? I don't have that. No, you don't no. have. Okay. But I did hear it previously. And she's actually cautioning him. There's 100% rushing him to slow down. You're going to set off the airbags to him. I don't want the airbags to kill us. She said something to that effect. But it, uh, she also makes mention of that she has the gun to her head. Uh, I guess she was trying to indicate to the 911 caller to tell the police to back off. I'm going to kill myself. Something of, to that effect. But uh, again, maybe during the impact, she uh, had this uh, state of mind to shoot herself or could have been from the impact her finger, you know, uh, squeezed onto the trigger and she killed herself. But I, I'm, I'm leaning towards, it looks like after the accident, it looks like shot may have been fired. was uh, T-bone. So again, we'll probably find out those details later on. Well, folks, one of the, one of the things that everyone's asking and it's been asked all day, it's been asked all day yesterday. And there, because there was a lot of confusion, the information in this case uh, wasn't put out there professionally. I'll put it that way, because anyone that's been in law enforcement, there's this system called the National Incident Management System. And whenever there's a major, major uh, incident, they're supposed to go into that mode. And that would have been the, the sheriff, of course, um, Rick Singleton from Lauderdale, Alabama, should have instituted the NIMS, the National Incident Management System, and all of the information should have flowed through him. But it didn't. So all, a lot of the information was secondhand, thirdhand, and it wasn't accurate. So one of the things that everyone's asking about in the chat, who was driving? And we're almost 99% sure, we've heard it from a lot of different people, that Casey was driving and uh, Vicky was in the passenger seat. But that went out incorrectly. So I know where the confusion is coming from. It went out incorrectly numerous times. 
The Sons of Italy, thank you so much for the $5 Super Chat. Good to see you in our late night show. Remember Tom Snyder back in the day? So some of you old people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to have that late show. That's Phil and I. We're pushing the late show with Tom Schneider here, but it's uh, this is a law enforcement show. So, yeah. yeah so somebody, we're, somebody asked in the chat. I, I want to just address the question in the chat. Somebody asked, did they take him out the window? It's uh, Girl Friday. Did they take him out the window or did he squeeze through the moonroof? I believe he was taken out of the driver's side door or possibly the front windshield. But again, I did see the video of her being removed from the car. She was on the passenger side of the car. Uh, he's out of the car way before they get her out. And they actually uh, instituted the button for the moonroof. They said, why don't we try the moonroof? They hit the button for the moonroof. It does. You see it open and then her body is exposed and they pull her out of there. So, you know, Julie, Julie LaRosa in the chat is saying the moonroof. And I, I had thought that he went out through the moonroof too. I could be wrong. It's not no, I so think, clear. I, I look, think it's either, I think it's the driver's side door. They pry open the driver's side door or possibly through the front windshield. But uh, the moonroof was closed while they were working to try and get her out of the car. See, uh, a duty Ron played it on his show, actually. You'll see the moonroof. They hit the button and the moonroof opens. And that's how they actually uh, from the vehicle. And, and the whole time, one of the sheriffs has his gun drawn on her because she still had the gun in her hand. And I'm going to tell a story later on about that when we get to that, about how I like that. All right, let's keep playing the video here. You can see the vehicle's laying on its right side. Uh, the the marshals did something that's called a pit maneuver, which really maneuver. entails them t-boning the car with their uh, with those Ram pickup trucks that had the heavy front bumpers. Beautiful maneuver in New York City. The press would have been all over us for that. They'd see why did those cops do that? Oh my God, those cops should be sued. You know, Lee Perry. Thank you so much for the nine ninety nine super chat. Appreciate you, Bill and Phil. Thank you. And I, and don't let anyone ever refer to you guys as crumbs. You're not crumbs. You are. No, and if you were crumbs, you are crumbs. And thank you so much for being here and supporting us. You know, we're just trying to do the late night show with Bill and Phil here. Yes, yeah, so they directed about that pit move myself. Uh, my brother called me yesterday. He says, don't you guys know what a pit move is? I says, no. He goes, well, I watch cops. It's a pit move. I said, okay, okay. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I, I didn't know, actually, that that's what it was called. I mean, I was in street crime, and we were noted to mount sidewalks with yeah. our car. And they used to even tell us in roll call, don't mount sidewalks with the car. We only have so many cars. You guys are blowing the tires, you know. People would do crazy stuff back in the day. Uh, you're driving in the, on the streets of the city, but you got to realize you could kill people that way. Let me complete this uh, video here. Yeah. When they bring him over here, it's, it's just amazing how big this guy is. It's just... yeah. But when they, when they bring him over to the car, when they turn him around, if you could just freeze it, and we'll take a look at the back of his head. There is some blood on his head. I just want to make a comment about that. Yeah, but, I don't know if it's that clear here, but yeah, but you can just see how immense this guy is. The two cops are no small guys themselves. I don't he, think he's towering over them. He's towering. Yeah, over he's them. just you know, and these guys, these cops are in shape because you can see the, the yeah. guy on the right, the sergeant. He's got guns. You can see he lifts weights. You know. And, but this guy is a huge, huge uh, piece of humanity, you know, an inferior piece of humanity. Now, you see the sergeant noticed on the back of uh, knocked out because of that picture there. But there's a, there's a mark on the back of his head. And yeah. the sergeant noticed it. And he's calling. He's signaling for the uh, EMTs to come over and look at it. It almost looked like possibly a... Uh, it looked like an in-and-out wound from a bullet, possibly. I, I can't say that for sure, but it was a little bit red. There was some blood there, and it looked like there were two marks on the back of his head. And I do know someone that was shot that way, went in and out. It didn't hit anything other than skin. Uh, that's what made me think of it. Uh, during a, during a holdup, a uh, guy uh, was struggling, and when he turned, they fired the shot. Just went in the back of his neck and right out the, uh, the other side of his neck and didn't hit anything. Knocked him unconscious for a little bit, but... Uh, he didn't have, really have any fatal injury. 
actually know, this, this is a um this a, the same video but it's much clearer so let me Okay, this is the one where, yeah, uh, they're trying to get Vicky out. You'll see that. Uh, yeah, they're see, actually they, they blocking out it out. So but, but they took her out the moonroof. If you back it up a little bit, you could see she comes out through the moonroof. I will show that. They, they actually open it. See, again, this is where the sergeant notices the uh, injury to the back of his head. Are you a little bit concerned to her because she's worked in a jail for 17 years. She knows what life is like on the other side of the bars. Uh, she knew she would be facing some of that, but I think just as much so. I think uh, Vicki White uh, was uh, probably dreading having to come back and face her family and friends after what she'd done. I think that probably played as much a factor in her decision to end her life uh, as anything. You know, no police officer, no one in law enforcement would ever want to go to prison. I mean, obviously, no one wants to go to prison, but even worse if you're in law enforcement, because the very people that you put uh, in jail or in prison, now you're going to be living with them. And, you know, just think of Phil. You can't think of anything as horrendous as that, except maybe uh, maybe burnt sauce on a Sunday. That's pretty bad, Joe. That's pretty bad. Burning the sauce, going right in the garbage in my house. Burning the, the burning the gravy or burning the sauce because you forgot to stir it with that big oil you have. Oh, no good, Billy. That's not going to fly in my house on a Sunday. But I got to tell you, going to jails. I visited jails on cases. Went to interviewed perpetrators. I didn't like going into the jail just to visit it. So uh, again, once you hear those steel doors close behind you and. Uh, this in four and five doors closing behind you. That's that's not even a jail. That's a prison I went to, and uh, not a good feeling. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to spend uh, five minutes in a jail. So yeah, you could understand why she may have, uh, you know, contemplated suicide uh, when the walls were. And uh, I, you know, she didn't want to face everyone. That's, yes, but uh, you know, go, going back to uh, when she was extricated from the car, they they state that she's still breathing and stuff now. I had an incident where I was one of the first officers on the scene when a guy, he had killed his whole family and then he shot himself temple to temple. The bullet went straight through. He was sitting in a chair. The gun was still in his hand. It was in his lap, in his hand, and he was breathing. He was actually moaning. Uh, you know, when you uh, shoot through the uh, temple to temple, it must not hit the area the brain that operate motor function because he was still holding on. Uh, eventually he died at the hospital. I guess the uh, damage to the brain and the loss of blood eventually overcomes a person and they, uh, you know, eventually uh, cease to live. But uh, yeah, so I, it's not that uncommon. She was shot, uh, you know, what we believe was temple to temple and uh, she was still alive. She was breathing. They do institute life-saving uh you know, uh, uh, first aid, but, uh, again, it's, it was fruitless and she died at the hospital. Dreams, 1997 cadaveric is why Vicky was still holding on to the gun. Not Cops know what it is just like those of us in the medical do too. You know, I suggested that on duty Ron's show to Barbara butcher. And for those that are in the medical field, the cadaveric spasm is when you grasp onto the last thing you're holding with your hand. And it's almost like, speeding up rigor mortis but right. she had said that that's a real rare rare rarity but what why the reason we're referring to that and thank you dreams 1997 the reason why we're referring to that is because when the officers saw her in the car she was still breathing but she still had the gun in her hand right so they were in fear for their life i mean you could argue that they're tactically that wasn't too smart everyone being around the car that way but these are cops. You got to get it done. You know, the, their main thing was they knew that this big career criminal, Casey, uh, you know, he would shoot it out with them. And they were, of course, concerned with that. And that's why they the pit maneuver was amazing. And I can just tell you, in New York City, if we used that pit maneuver, the press would be all over us. They'd be like, oh, my God, they've endangered those poor criminals, you know. 
But, well, when uh, you think about it, the pit maneuver was executed in a kind of a wide open field. There, so I don't <laughs> think there was any danger to anybody. It wasn't like it was Times Square, Manhattan. So again, you know, uh, they were chasing down. They weren't going after shoplifters. They were going after a hardened criminal. And, uh, you know, she had nothing to live for, obviously. And uh, it went down the way it went down. But that comment about the cadaveric spasm, uh, ca- cadaveric spasm, I don't know if it's going to be a cadaveric spasm if the person is still breathing because that's when uh, the muscles freeze. But Barbara Butcher did state when a little bit I watched the show that uh, you could have a speed up of a rigor mortis, but she was still alive. She was still breathing. She died. I think though at some point, at some point, perhaps when they dragged her out of the car, I think at that point she may have been dead. I'm not, I mean, I don't know for sure, but inside the car they go, it looks like she's still breathing. And then when they dragged her out, I don't know if they, because one of, before they dragged her out, they removed the gun from her hand. Yeah, they removed the gun from her hand. And and numerous times they said she's breathing, she's breathing, which like I, I had that guy that he was shot right through the head and he was breathing and, you know, he wound up dying later at the hospital. But uh, who knows if it was a a cadaveric spasm. Cadaveric spasm, yes. Yeah, I'm having trouble with that word, cadaveric. That's not, that that spasm doesn't go into the spaghetti sauce, so you're having a little problem saying (laughs) Listen, it's quite possible that that's what it was. And like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, between the trying to hold on and, and her hand, the gun but uh either way uh the gun was in her hand they were quite cautious of that and uh you know even in the condition that she was in she could have possibly pulled that trigger again uh you know uh, some type of a muscle reaction you know so uh this this is what was inside of that vehicle they had four handguns and an ar-15 and in the holster there is a taser I incorrectly stated that that was another firearm on an earlier show, but so far I haven't been removed from my channel for that mistake. But uh, so they had four handguns and they had an AR-15. And now look at the magazines. Look at how many different magazines they have. Those look like high-capacity magazines. Uh, yeah, they so could, they could have been a hell of a shootout had they uh, been taken at the hotel or in a location. Maybe if they had access to the firearms, uh, and they, they had a lot of them. Fire- they weren't shooting at them. No, they had a lot of firepower with them, <clears throat> and this could have been ugly. You know, uh, uglier than it actually was. Absolutely. But, uh, so you, you see that with those firearms, and he was. Uh, Of course, you know, I've always had, I don't doubt that he would have shot it out with the police, but, you know, you always have after the fact, these guys with their beer balls on afterwards, now that they're in not any danger. Oh, I was going to shoot it out with you. Then why didn't you, you know, Uh, because now then they're in, you know, they're safely secreted in a prison and he could say to all his cell block D uh, yearbook people could say, Hey, I was going to shoot it out with them, but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice talking to you, you know? Yeah, that's, listen, that's uh, easy to say, but uh, listen, thank God he did because innocence could have gotten hurt, (laughs) killed, uh, law enforcement could have, but yeah, he's probably a a coward and uh, didn't have the guts to do what she did, obviously. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I'm just glad he's back behind bars and I'm sure he's not going to be taking any uh, trips for medical visits anytime soon. Oh, Julie LaRosa from California. We did this show specifically for you California guys. It's nice and early there. Absolutely. Uh, on the call, she said something about going to the hotel and deal with it there, not in those words. So they were both ready to fight. Well, I think she wanted to get the hell out of that car and run back toward the hotel. Yeah. I don't know how she would have accomplished that with the, you know, there must have been 10 or 15 U.S. Marshals vehicles trailing them. But uh, you know that you're right. That's what was said over the uh, over uh, when she was talking to nine one one. I'm going to play a little bit of Ashley Banfield. I like Ashley Banfield. This was before I think all of this stuff happened. But however, I think this was post uh, post suicide. And they ditched the F-150 for the one that Vicky was driving when she picked up the tattooed man. And wouldn't you know it, Vicky White walked out of that hotel that the U.S. Marshals were surveilling. And they saw her in a disguise, a wig. 
That's when they began to chase. And that's how we ended up with a high-speed chase. Um, I want to bring in Lenny DePaul. He's a former chief inspector and commander of the U.S. Marshals Task Force. Lenny, thank you so much for being here tonight. Can you add anything to the details that we've been getting? Because I know that you've got lots of friends within the U.S. Marshals, many who are actually working this case. Well, good evening, uh, Ashley. And yeah, absolutely. I've been in touch with the Gulf Coast the Regional Fugitive Task Force, um, and they were also assisted by the Great Lakes Regional Fugitive Task Force of the U.S. Marshal Service, and of course with the Sheriff's Department. But uh, they did outstanding work. I mean, they're the best in the business when it comes to manhunting. They're the premier agency in the Department of Justice. So when they got called into this thing, about 11 days ago, I mean, they hit the ground running. Uh, they tore her world upside down and digital footprint was important and whatnot. So historically, they were looking at that trusted circle of friends doing what fugitive investigators do well uh, and putting that puzzle together and connecting the dots. But uh, when they got onto this and, and responded, uh, they, you know, they knew about the Cadillac, an older model Cadillac. They canvassed the area uh, and they found the car and they set up on the car. They, you know, they set up a perimeter and they were watching that thing and yeah, saw her coming out, and uh, I believe she was in the passenger seat, and he was driving, uh, but then they got into that car chase. Yes. We've pit, been trying to figure that one out, Lenny. We've been trying to figure out if she was driving or if he was driving, um, but that, yeah. I mean, do you know for sure whether whether he was actually driving at this point? The, the word I got was that he was driving. Again, it's not confirmed, uh, but that's what I'm hearing okay. from the folks that were uh, downrange okay. doing, doing the job. Here's the big thing. Um, we only have a very little description about what happened when the officers approached that wreck. Uh, the two fugitives are still inside. Vicky is shot and bleeding and Casey is injured. And the U.S. Marshals who were there only reported one thing, and that is that he came out and he said, my wife shot herself and I didn't do it. Is there anything more you can add to that description? Other things that he said, other ways that went down, how many officers did they force him onto the ground? You know, I find that interesting in, in that uh, he said, my wife is shot and I didn't do it. Right away, he's got that jailhouse mentality of clearing his own ass. You know, my wife is shot. First of all, it's not his wife. And second of all, uh, I didn't do it. Again, he's trying to clear himself before he's even accused of it. How were his, like, how was he injured? What were the extent of his injuries? Was he bleeding? Did he get, did, you know, did he take on any additional gunfire after she shot herself? Is there anything more you know? Well, I mean, these are all great questions. I can't confirm or deny any of the, anything you were saying uh, right now, but uh, you, you gotta, you know, and I'm sure everyone realizes that you're talking about a, a guy that, uh, you know, he's already doing a life sentence. He was looking at a death penalty if found guilty on this other case. You know, what are they going to charge him with escape? He didn't care. And I, my concern was, yeah, was it going to be suicide by cop? Uh, was Vicky going to become a hostage? There was a lot of things and and that go through these investigators' minds when, when uh, especially when you're in a car chase. I mean, things happen very quickly. So, you know, it's the old it's the old adage, muscle memory. I mean, you revert back to your training. You're in a car pursuit. It's a felony car stop. The car flipped over. They approached it with extreme caution. Um, didn't know if they were armed. Uh, did they hear yeah. the gunshots? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, Lenny, the reason were. I'm so keyed up on who was driving, the devil's in the details here, because the first thing he says when he gets out is, my wife shot herself. I didn't do it, which immediately makes me think, I think you did, because that wouldn't be the first thing you would think of. You would try to run or you'd say, I didn't do it. I wasn't driving or, or something. But forensics will prove if this was a self-inflicted gunshot. It's very early to just make that pronouncement. And if they were both jumbled around and it's hard to determine who was sitting where in the car, uh, that will be tricky. But if she was in the driver's seat and she's shot on the left-hand side, then she might have done it, probably did it herself. If she shot on the right-hand side, he very well might have shot her dead, which would be not felony murder. Phil, of course, she's talking, this is pre-autopsy. Right. Uh, she's conjecturing. She doesn't have all the facts, but I like her as a reporter. She's actually, she's, she's very good. And I like the guy, uh, Lenny DePaul. He's actually retired head of uh, fugitive enforcement. Very sharp guy. I've seen him talk on their show before. He can talk the talk and he can also walk the walk. I don't know if you noticed that he said we're the pre premier law, federal law enforcement agency in the country. I don't know if that was a kick in the balls to the FBI, but yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he he had no qualms with saying that. And I, you know, I believe him. Uh, I'm not, you know, 
I know everyone, all the media always says the premier law enforcement agency in the country is the FBI. And uh, Lenny DePaul there just said uh, the premier law enforcement agency in the country is the federal marshals. So who am I to argue with them? You know? I, I've met a few good FBI agents over my career, uh, but I got to tell you, the guys in the marshal service, uh, there's just something about their camaraderie. They were just a little tighter group of guys, it seemed like. All the guys from the federal marshals that I met when I did dignitary protection and stuff like that, they just seemed like a, a little better group of guys, a little bit more uh, team-oriented. Where FBI agents, some good, some not so good that weren't uh, willing to share information. But I never got that from the marshals that I dealt with. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to our channel, shame on you. Go on our YouTube. Yeah, what's that thumbs that up? subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Ring that bell. And if you want to support us because you love this late night show and it keeps us up late at night and we're not getting overtime, you can go on our Patreon. We have three different levels and you can uh, join us on one of those levels. We also have a YouTube channel with our channel members with five different levels. And you see the folks... With the green font in the chat, they're part of our YouTube family, and we appreciate each and every one of them. Folks, you know, one of the things that everyone was asking about, and I Duty Ron was on tonight with Barbara Butcher, who, of course, is the famous, infamous, famous Barbara Butcher, who I actually worked with when I was on the NYPD. She was the chief of staff of the New York City Office of the Chief Medical Examiner. She's, she was personally to over 680 murder scenes. And not only that, she was the point person after 9-11 for DNA. So this woman is a brilliant, brilliant woman. And what they were talking about tonight on their show, when I watched some of it, and I had covered some of it th this afternoon, was how do we know that Vicky committed suicide? How do we know that for sure? And they went through it scientifically, as I did in the afternoon, but when I so my credentials, Sergeant Bill Cannon, NYPD, Manhattan North Homicide Squad. I'm not a scientist, and people don't take it from me as well as they take it from Barbara Butcher and Ed Wallace, who was a crime scene a detective. So one of the things that they talk about is like, if you're right-handed and you're going to commit suicide, you're going to put the gun to the right side of your head. And no one that commits suicide, I shouldn't say no one, but very rarely, was someone going to put the gun here. They're going to put it right against the head because if you pull it back here, you're going to you have a chance of missing. And that's your, not your intention. You intend to shoot yourself. So usually the gun is right up against the skin. And when the person pulls the trigger, uh, it leaves gunshot residue, something called stippling. And if the barrel is right against the head, as you know, when a firearm is fired, fire flame actually comes out of the end and what that causes is something called tattooing and that is an imprint of the barrel of the firearm on the skin of the victim so all of those are scientific reasons and in addition the uh, many times if you put the gun against your head the bullet will enter and exit and that is also part of the scientific investigation which of course they should invoice the car they should do a whole crime scene on the car as well as autopsy. However, they did the autopsy the next day, and the pathologist came out right away and said that this was a suicide. Yeah, Billy, uh, obviously, uh, they're going to have the information from the investigators on the case. The fact that she was talking to 911, she was saying that she had the gun to her head. Uh, there may have been a visual by one of the investigators, one of the marshals that actually sees her fire the shot. Um, and then again, you mentioned all the things, the stippling, uh, the, the tattooing, and then there's also blowback, sometimes, uh, matter from the skin, uh, the, the skull, uh, blood can go inside the barrel. It can, it can, uh, you know, back, go backwards into the barrel that those are all the things. And then we have gunshot residue that on the person's hands. I'm sure that they did a test for that. Uh, and I think it was very easily, uh, you know, uh, classified as a suicide by the medical examiner based on all of the uh, specific uh, facts that were looked at and indicators and all the evidence uh, led them to, to rule it a suicide. So she apparently shot herself. But I don't think that's in question. You know, I see a, a lot of folks in the chat, even though I'm trying to explain the scientific reasons that it was determined to be a suicide. 
you're still doing woulda, coulda, shouldas. And, yeah. uh, but it's been determined by a scientist, by an MD, by a pathologist, that it was in fact a suicide. You can still argue. I'm not going to tell you you can't argue and you can't have your own opinion, but science has just proved uh, this to be a suicide, a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So to argue and say, what if this happened? What if that happened? What if he grabbed the gun and shot her in the head and put it in her right hand? There's scientific ways to determine that that didn't happen. One of them exactly. is bullet track, you know, the path of the bullet. And that's one of the scientific ways to determine that. So, I mean, I don't want to, I want to argue, but you know, you can, you can say whatever you want. You can have whatever opinion you want, but there are scientific ways to prove this. And a pathologist is, is one of the steps in conjunction with the on-scene investigators right. that put the whole thing together and the compilation of all the evidence, they'll make a determination. And in fact, he made a determination that this was in fact a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So the, 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 the cause of death was a gunshot wound. The manner of death was suicide. I could have that in reverse. I always mix that up, you know? <laughs> yeah, that happens to me sometimes too. But Billy, th think about it. Uh, they're, they're talking about well, he he he's not going to have the state of mind. Well, I just got hit by a, a, a vehicle. I got T-boned. They did a pit maneuver. The car rolled over. Let me shoot Vicky in the head and put the place the gun in her hand. There's not enough time. The state of mind isn't there. And what possibly could he have to gain by doing that? You know what I mean? She was an accomplice to this, uh, to this escape plot reason to, for him to, to shoot her. I mean, you know, what various information could he have? He's going away for the rest of his life. So it wasn't like she was going to be able to give up information on him. That was going to hurt his chances of ever, you know, becoming free. So again, you mentioned all the scientific evidence. I don't think that they took that lightly. A medical examiner is going to look at all these medical uh, you know, clues and this evidence, and they're going to put it all together. And based on the statements of the officers on the scene, they ruled it a suicide. And I think it's a really open and shut case at this point. Yeah, I do too. Revenge AU, new member. Welcome Thank to the you. Police Off the Cuff you. YouTube family. Great to have you here. Um, Valkyrie's Corner. Uh, believe me, if there was a way Sheriff Singleton could further blame Casey for her death, he would. He hates this. Of course. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's a lot of... Um, questions in this case but i don't think that the suicide thing is is really open to a question after a um, pathologist has in fact ruled it to be a suicide i don't think we I, look as i said anyone can question it but scientifically it was proven to be a suicide i want to play a little bit of brian enton he also did an amazing job on this and let's not forget the um the manager of that uh car wash weinbach car wash tennessee we were trying to find uh the people who discovered um vicky and casey white's getaway car there the suv that they started this whole saga with almost two weeks ago when we got the tip that there was something brewing in um in evansville indiana which is about two and a half hours from where we were in tennessee it was believed that casey and vicky were spotted here and then we found out they indeed were at this car wash behind me they were spotted on surveillance uh, camera by the manager here, who's really the reason this entire thing ended today and ended with the police chase uh, and, and Vicky and Casey White uh, now apprehended. I want to bring in uh, the manager of of, um, of this car wash, uh, James Stinson. Thanks for being with us, James. You really are the reason all this came to an end. And this has just been a wild week and a half. Um, tell me what you first spotted here at the car wash. Yeah, first noticed on Tuesday, last Tuesday, a truck sticking out of the car wash bay. It's always unusual when one's sticking out. So I come over and looked at it, and I left. So, and this is about four in the afternoon on Thursday, four 4.30. So I left. Every time I'd leave and come back to the truck store, I leave and come back to the truck store. Leave and come even up late at night to the truck store. I go in, go to bed. I get up at six o'clock the next morning to take my granddaughter to school. The truck's still there. So I think I need to investigate. Once I get into school, she gets out of my truck around 7.30. I'm going to come back and check it out. I come back. I walk up to the truck. I notice the windows are down. And my first thought is, could be this guy from Alabama. He might be in there asleep, passed out, suicide, whatever. I'm kind of nervous about it. So I looked over in the truck. Nobody's in it. I open the door. 
the keys are in the ignition, which I thought was unusual. I tried to start the truck. The truck started right up, so I know there wasn't nothing wrong with the vehicle. So I left. I come back out, and I got on my phone. I Googled the local police department's phone number because I didn't want to call 911. So I called them. I said, you need to send an officer out. I got a suspicious vehicle in my car. We'll have one right out. I go back to the bike. I'm dumping my trash. He never shows up. I got to go back and pick my daughter up, granddaughter up at 1030. I get her home. I come back. And my buddy's here. and said, they ain't never showed up. I called him back. I said, uh, police officer never showed up. They said, yeah, they, they either had. He pulled up. He run the plate. It ain't stolen. So it wasn't stolen. That's what That's important. interesting because that's new. We didn't know that. So maybe they bought it. Perhaps they bought it. No, no, no. Uh, it could be that. <laughs> but I, I had him get out and he looked inside the car and he said, oh my God, there's a gun lock. There might be a gun in there. No, there ain't no gun. He done the same thing. He stuck his key in it and it started. So he said, I can't help you. It's not reported stolen. So all I, I said, I don't know what to do. I'll call Tri-State and I'll have it told I can't have it here. So I called Tri-State. They come after me. Yesterday at 8 o'clock in the evening, the U.S. Marshal called me from Alabama. And they asked me, I said, did you have a car towed from your car wars? I said, yes, I did. And I said, it's got to do with that guy from Alabama. And he said, yeah, we're pretty sure it is. And I said, where do you have it towed to? I said, he said, Tri-State. And he said, he said it was reported stolen. And you, you spoke. And, and what I said, and I told him, I said, that, that police officer told me it wasn't reported stolen. I said, what I'm thinking, they stumbled up on the car with the keys in it, so they just stopped up and took it. They probably don't even know it's gone yet. And that U.S. Marshal said, you're exactly right. That's exactly what happened. And you went back and looked at the surveillance video. You saw Casey and Vicky. You showed me the video earlier of Casey White by the truck in the vehicle bay. Uh, but you apparently, do you also have video of Vicky? I've got video of a woman in a car, a short woman. You can't make out who it is, but you, she stopped right out here and picked him up. <laughs> How does it feel to know that you're the one who brought an end to all of this? I don't know if I'm the one that brought the end to this. I'm not. You sure are. And nobody got hurt. That's what I'm thinking. Well, thank you, James. Thank you again. Thanks for it's your good time. to talk with you. Yeah. Uh, you heard from James uh, Ruta Bay basically spotted the truck, went back. That guy was great. I mean, all of us are saying that, you know, he should get the reward. Of course, everyone's rooting for him. And, you know, it seems like they're not that they're, they're trying not to give him credit for, for what he did. And you got to love the guy. See something, say something. And Billy, I'm just like my mind is boggled. What the were they doing in the car wash? I mean, you're on the run. You broke out of jail. She, she threw a whole life away in the car wash. I mean, that, I don't know. There had to be something with that. The keys were in the car. I think it was going to be like uh, an escape plan if, uh, you know, uh, Marshall's closed in. Maybe it was close with them walking distance hotel. Maybe. I don't know. And they would go there. I and, think and I think it was just a place to where they could exchange each other. He could hide out in there. She could come by, you'd have almost no exposure and get yeah, into the yeah. other car. I yeah. think that's what it was more than, I don't think they really cared about having a clean car. No, I mean, no, it doesn't appear that, but just, I don't know, like it didn't make sense to even be that. If, if you're on the run, you know, you're in a hotel, lay low, you know what I mean? Uh, but uh, apparently uh, they weren't too uh, too smart in how they did this. And uh, You know, Phil, that was the whole thing uh, from the beginning of this case. They were like, the mastermind behind. There was no mastermind behind this case. Yeah. Neither one of them is a mastermind, you know? Absolutely. Uh, there's a certain amount of luck in these type of things. And and they, they had some luck, you know, might call it luck. Uh, you know, she... Uh, Vicky is back home, and I'm just going to play this here. This is about her funeral services. Uh, okay. He will be laid to rest this Saturday at 1 p.m. at Center Hill Cemetery. Her body was brought back to North Alabama this morning. Officials say Vicki White shot and killed herself after that police pursuit in Evansville, Indiana. That ended the 11-day manhunt for her and a murder suspect. Well, the funeral arrangement for Vicki So there it is right there. She's going to, uh, you know. There's a lot of people, of course, that want answers in that community. Uh, I'm sure her co-workers, her family, 
they all uh, still love her, even uh, uh, considering what she did. Uh, of the horrible, the horrible thing that she put everyone through. But you know, they still look at this as you know, this was their uh, her mother. You know, this is her daughter. This is their coworker. She was voted correction officer of the year this year, and it was like the fourth time she received That's this right. awards. Like, you know, what are we missing here? Uh, what? How was that possible? That the correction officer of the year did this, you know. She went off on him. And, uh, this is Casey White's look return at the to number Alabama. Of people. Billy, back that up a second. I just want to make a point about something. The sheriff, he's got a gun in a holster. Looks like a pancake holster, which isn't very secure. And Casey White is front cuffed. I mean, he's got a little bit of access with his hands. That's uh, not too smart on his part. I mean, uh, you would have think that they would have learned their lessons. Look at the uh, number, yeah, of people guarding that inmate. That that gun was lungeable for him. He was that was in his lungeable area. It wasn't too smart. Manpower for a six foot nine fugitive. And there's Sheriff Singleton right there shaking the hands of those who escorted <sighs> that. Uh, that very dangerous prisoner all the way from Evansville, uh, Indiana, down to his jurisdiction in Lauderdale County, Alabama, not far from Nashville, about 117 miles from Nashville. There you can see some of the vehicles that, uh, that escorted, that gave him a chauffeur-driven lift. Um, and make no mistake, it was a bit of convoy, folks. They had several vehicles, and you could see all that uh, personnel that transported Casey White back to Alabama to face the music. He is walking into that building right now, as those sheriff's vehicles pull out of that sally port, uh, and he is about to be presented in front of a circuit court judge. And this is the current mugshot from, from Evansville, that's Vanderburg County, uh, but he's gonna get a new jail garb, uh, brand new color, I think it's orange in this county, and he's gonna get a brand new mugshot, hopefully one of his last, before he's you know having to stick around uh, behind bars and you know quiet, lay low. He wanted to lay low, he's gonna lay really low. And then he's gonna be presented uh, for that arraignment with, um, with escape. That's the number one charge that the sheriff says he's gonna face tonight. Don't know about the other charges, those will follow when it's less harried and it's not you know nearly 10 o'clock central time. Um, but what a dramatic conclusion to 12 days of an odyssey that pretty much every American was following, wondering where they were going to end up. And you heard some of those reporters. Maybe the reason this story was so big was because he was pretty big and pretty dangerous, but she was in love. And you heard the reporters yelling, did he love her? They wouldn't answer. Casey didn't answer, didn't say a word to the reporters as they tried to get a comment from him. Um, but that's pretty much the last you see the two of them together were these shots. And um, that's the last you'll see. It was very sad to hear the sheriff say how devastated her mother was because by all accounts, folks, her coworkers and her mother said she was a wonderful person, had never done anything wrong until she did this, the worst thing in her life that ended her life. Quick break. Back right up. So, you know, there you have it. I mean, uh, of course, there's people in her life that, that still love her, but she made a really, really bad decision, you know, uh, just you know, a horrendous Billy, uh, decision. His 1997 said in the chat, Vicky could have been on a beach somewhere with her retirement checks and meeting a guy with no criminal record. How true. It's really sad. It's, it's sad for the family. It's sad for the coworkers. It's sad for the friends. Uh, she doesn't seem to have been you know, almost model citizen before this, uh, getting, you know, going unhinged and, uh, doing this crazy thing that she did. And, uh, just very unusual. I guess you really don't know what's going on inside a person's head until, uh, they act out in this manner, you know? Yeah. Um, Margaret Ninova, uh, bull, in my opinion, it didn't go a visit to a doctor. We don't know. They were in love. We don't know. She's not showing stress, anxiety, or abnormal behavior. She's doing what she said. So what the, well, you know, look, many psychologists and other uh, mental health professionals have analyzed this situation, but without them actually speaking to her, I don't see how they can really make predictions about uh, what was in her mind. You know, she obviously did something really stupid and this was in the works for two years. 
in the works for two years. Can you just imagine that? It's just uh, uh, MBR11 wish she would have gotten help. Yeah, we all wish that, but she didn't. And uh, we knew that this, we had said early on in this case that we knew that this was not going to end well. And our hope was that no one in law enforcement would get hurt in this case. And, you know, I'm not going to consider that Vicky was in law enforcement anymore because she crossed over to the other side. She became a criminal. So we can't, you know, now be sad for her. She she crossed over to the other side and she, she you know, she became a criminal. Absolutely, Billy. And I think the, uh, <laughs> she knows what jail is like, didn't want to go to jail. And uh, she knew she'd be held accountable for her actions. And uh, that's why she chose suicide. But uh, it's really very sad. It's it's a terrible thing. Based on what we knew about her, that she had a failed marriage, divorced her husband because of drug use. He later died. She wasn't able to save him. Um, you know, uh, Casey probably, uh, you know, gave her a, a hell of a line of BS and, uh, you know, she fell into it. Uh, she was probably vulnerable at this stage of her life. Uh, she was, uh, 56, 57, old, 56 or 57. Yeah. yeah. 56 years old. He's in his thirties. He's 38. And, uh, again, you know, um, she might've been in a very low point in her life, uh, vulnerable. And she was talked into this, uh, very, very stupid uh, plan to for him to escape and, you know, to sell off her, per, you know, her home and, and you know, to come up with cash for this plot. So, uh, again, it's sad. Uh, we don't know exactly what was going through her mind. But I think based on what we do know about her, that uh, she did have that failed marriage. She did seem to be in a, in a low point in her life. Uh, we don't know what her childhood was like. Uh, so, again, it's... Uh, it's just, it's sad all around. And unfortunately we were hoping for her to be found uh, and taken into custody without incident. Unfortunately it didn't go that way. Uh, just thank God that nobody else was hurt. And uh, you know, she's going to be mourned and uh, we'll send condolences to her family. You know, I think that everyone wants to know uh, the answers to lots of questions. And we always say when a major case um, is over with, that's not the end of the investigation. And let's hope no, with this case that the investigation continues and they answer all the questions. I, I, I There was a funny, um, one of the network news stations today, I won't say what, it was a national news station, that, and they, they acted like they found the smoking gun. They were like, we came up with some information that someone at that Motel 41 had rented the room uh, for them. So someone else is involved in this case, and we, we're going to disclose this at another broadcast. And it turned out it's a homeless guy that rented the room for them, or he was the intermediary. He rented it in his name. I'm sure they paid him to do yeah, that. Yeah, they paid him a few dollars. Right, so they yeah. didn't have the exposure. But I was like, are these people kidding? They were acting like this was the Lindbergh kidnapping and that they, they had found the smoking gun, you know? Schmitty, thank you. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Billy. Schmitty, thank you so much for the 499 Super Chat. She got the awards. Personnel became complacent and don't bat an eye. Policies be damned. Yeah, we all we spoke about that numerous times on how they just um, ignored policy and procedure in that jail, and that's that can get very dangerous. Phil, yeah, I was just going to say the twenty nine thousand dollars that was recovered, a lot of hundred dollar bills. So if they flash a couple of, I call them honeys, flash a few honeys to somebody that's uh, down on their luck, a homeless person, maybe somebody that's drug addicted, <clears throat> get them to rent a room. And uh, so that was the big uh, accomplish to this whole thing. Probably doesn't have any idea who they were renting the room for. So again, but we're, we're going to backtrack and find out what they did on the 10 or 12 days that they were on the lamb. Uh, that's very important. Like I uh, had noted earlier in a different show, uh, I want to know who it was that aided them. Uh, if there was aided them, that person should be held accountable as well. Uh, right now, I'm not sure that there was anybody else other than this homeless guy, maybe. But uh, again, I don't know. I don't have access to. Well, Phil, an interesting thing is that she had a cell phone. You yes. Know? So that, that was be uh, where they're going to find all their leads about their movements, whatever cell phone technology there is to uh, whatever cell phones are recovered from them. The technology exists that they can, even if it's a burner phone, they can go backtrack and, and find out locations that they were at calls that they made text messages on and on email, uh, whatever it is that uh, they did while they were on the lamb. 
with cell phones, they'll be able to track all of that. If Absolutely. Phil, let's go, to, let's go to a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Looking for a vacation oasis, the Comfort in Oceanside in sunny Deerfield Beach, Florida has you covered. Take a dip in the outdoor heated pool with a water slide for the kids. Have a cocktail poolside or relax in the Oasis Courtyard Lounge. Just a short walk on shops and the Deerfield Beach International Fishing Look up the sun, swim in the pristine blue ocean, or stroll along the famous beach. Maybe enjoy a sunset from a beachside restaurant. Guests enjoy a complimentary breakfast and fresh brewed brew 24-7. If you mention police off the cuff at booking, you'll receive a 20% discount. That's right, a 20% discount. So book your stay today by calling 954-428-0650. John Beatty Law, www.jbeattylaw.com. John Beatty is a renowned personal injury attorney. He also is a retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family. He was an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the Honor Legion and the Blue Knights. John Beatty litigates across the country for seriously injured victims and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beatty, 917-797-9520. That's John Beatty Law, www.jbeattylaw.com. So, Phil, one of the things that I that I spoke about, and uh, you know, and we we just sort of alluded to it a few minutes ago, is that the investigation doesn't stop. They need to keep uh, seeing, find out the questions that everyone has. Where'd they get these cars from? None of these cars were reported stolen. They bought these cars. Uh, an, an interesting thing is that they recovered $29,000 inside the vehicle, as well as all those firearms that you see on the screen right now. Uh, inside the room, I believe that they, the hotel room I'm referring to, they recovered you know, clothing and stuff like that. But the investigation has to continue uh, in order... Uh, to, to get all of the questions that people have answered. And as we said, uh, those are important things, and we hope that they don't stop uh, investigating this case just because she committed suicide and he is back in, in uh, state prison. There's some other things that have to be looked at as well, Billy. I'm sure that policies are going to change in that uh, in that jail because of the fact that she was able to escort him out by herself and, you know, go on this uh, on this uh, 10 or 12 day uh, on the lamb, you know, trying to escape from from justice, escape from prison. So uh, they're going to look at everything. They're going to start from. You know, uh, like you said, there was an established relationship between Casey and Vicky back two years ago. They're going to start there. They're going to start looking at all of their telephone calls, uh, their their uh, conversations, which are recorded if, uh, if he's in the prison or the jail at the time that the uh, phone calls take place. And then they're going to go into the 10 or 12 day period that they were on the lam. They'll try to narrow down exactly what their movements were what they did and who aided them. And uh, again, there'll be, uh, there'll be some changes at that jail. I'm sure. I think uh, attorney general of the state will probably do an investigation. Uh, so we'll wait to see uh, just what exactly transpires from that. Absolutely. Revenge AU. Thank you for the 1499 super chat. Thank you. Good day. Glad to have found you guys. Aussie Copa forensic psych. Your accents are the best. Laugh out loud. What is exactly a sheriff and chief? I'm a bit confused. Well, in different parts of the country, they refer to their uh, law enforcement uh, differently. Most jurisdictions, sheriffs have something to do with jails or with prisons corrections, yes. and corrections, whereas chiefs are, the, uh, of course, the police executives, they would call them, the big bosses of police departments. So I hope I answered you a question revenge australia i love that name that's a fantastic name uh yeah so that's that's what we're talking about with that 
Uh, I think the sheriff from um, Lauderdale, I think he needs to retire. I think um, he seems like the nicest guy in the world. I mean, really a nice, nice guy. But perhaps uh, his better years have passed him. And um, I think that's an elected position, too. So you would have to run again. And I don't, I don't see that he would do that. Sierra J, Vicky is not in her right state of mind. Her ex-husband just passed away of Parkinson's a few months before. She may have been feeling unworthy. It's still no excuse. She basically threw her life away. 100%. Sierra, we couldn't agree with you more. She absolutely uh, threw her life away. Um, e. Carolini, Milwaukee civilian, as I see it, it is all scripted drama stereotypes and about zero insight into the situation and people unsolved. This is what happens when people instantly diagnose Vicky. I don't know what the conversation was between E. Carolini and Milwaukee civilian. Um, obviously, I think we can all agree that uh, Vicky did have some issues. I think she did have some psychological issues. I am in no way qualified to analyze her, nor is any even PhD or clinical psychiatrist or psychologist unless he interviewed her. You know, no one is qualified just to say, oh, this is what happened, uh, you know. Yeah, but Billy, you don't need a, you don't need a degree when you when you when you're looking at the facts. Now she's a career uh, corrections officer, uh, correction officer of the year, uh, four times, uh, somebody that has an unblemished record, and she decides to take this guy and go on the run with him. So uh, you're going to look a little bit into her past, and you're going to. It's not that much of a stretch to come to the conclusions that we brought out on the show that you know she probably uh, had uh, a failed marriage. That that was reported that the husband who developed Parkinson's was on drugs. Uh, so and a lot of times drugs are associated uh, with Parkinson's. It, it brings on Parkinson's in in certain individuals. And then uh, she divorced him because the fact that. Uh, he couldn't kick the drug habit and then she stayed in touch with him. So she was still trying to help him. Obviously, again, that brought her self-esteem down, I'm sure. And we're just making these assumptions. We're not professionals on it, but it's not that much of a stress to come a stretch to come to these type of conclusions because you have such an outlandish thing that took place. This woman threw her whole life away. She was, uh, you know, ready to retire and she just throws it all away by breaking this guy out of jail and going on the run with him. It's just completely, completely absurd. And, uh, Again, like I said, we're not professionals on it, but I don't think it's that much of a stretch to come to these conclusions. You know, the, the facts kind of lead you down that path. So there it is. D.D. Robert, I love this one. Uh, police off the cuff, do prisons and jails have anonymous suggestion tips boxes <laughs> so that people can write tips if they see something fishy going on, like Vicky bringing Casey beefaroni and biscuits? <laughs> Look, we have a system. Put in the suggestion box. We, we love, we love some of the funny. <laughs> That's a great in, comment, in, though. In the, I love, uh, I love. in the chat, but uh, so guys, you know, it is what it is. I, I think we covered this pretty much well, pretty well tonight. I, I we've been covering this from the beginning. Uh, Duty Ron covered this uh, this evening. He was also on this afternoon. So uh, I think overall, there's been a lot of really good coverage on this. Uh, we'll continue to stay with this case as long as there's interest and as long as there's new information coming out. Oh, you guys wanted to know about the money, the $21,000 that was recovered. It'll be invoiced by the police and uh, it'll probably go into her estate. It would probably go to her mother. That's uh, what I was going to say. I think too. that's how that would work. Um, At some point, that money would probably, yeah. I mean, she stole... She stole. She sold her property at a very discounted rate. That's probably where that money came from. They can account to that. It's not his. He didn't have any money, you know, in jail. So uh, again, it'll go to her state, I'm sure. And at some point, a claim will be made by her next kin, which sounds like would be her mother, and uh, that would be returned to them at some point. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's all part of this. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know uh, if the family will get any of her retirement money she put in to retire i don't know if they would uh give the family the money or is that because she committed a felony would they disqualify her from that i don't know i don't know the i believe they said she was terminated in the days following the uh 
you know, when they, when they, when they left the jail. So if she was terminated before retirement, we don't know the answer to that at this point, but if she was terminated, that could actually terminate her, uh, her retirement and her pension. So, but, uh, at this point, the family probably is mourning and not even thinking about that, I guess, but, uh, it'll, it, there may be an answer to that down the line. Tom Cusinelli. I love your, um, I love your comment. Hi, Pete political one day, a cab driver next day, a sheriff. <laughs> Well, what do they say on the NYPD? They say a captain has three good Saturdays, a sergeant one good Saturday, a lieutenant two, and after that it's all political. You know, uh, on the NYPD guys, anyone above the rank of captain, uh, it's political after that. So deputy inspector, inspector, uh, deputy chief, assistant chief, bureau chief, and then chief of department, all those ranks are, are political, but they're uniformed ranks. But on the NYPD, to make it from cop to captain, there's three civil service tests. So you have to take a test. You get promoted to sergeant, get promoted to lieutenant. It's all tests. So um, you have to actually study to, to, to achieve those ranks. Going back to the sheriff, uh, the the notation of sheriff regarding corrections, former police commissioner Carrick, Bernie Carrick, before he was on the NYPD, he was a Bergen County sheriff, which was a correctional um, uh, officer in Bergen County. And I think that when uh, Mayor Giuliani became the mayor, he appointed him to the to the uh, head of the correction department, Rikers Island, in New York City, and then eventually became the police commissioner. So he started out in uh, as a sheriff in uh, Bergen County Sheriff's Office, which was actually their correction department. Absolutely. Uh, so, folks, I think we're going to wrap it up now. This was the late show, the late late show for us. Uh, I think we went on at ten fifteen, and. Uh, I think it was pretty good. We had a lot of fun. At least we met a lot of new people who we haven't seen. A lot of folks from E.E. Uh, e. Carol Linney, thank you for the 99 uh, super, uh, super sticker. I always appreciate you guys. We met a lot of people that you don't usually watch us that weren't in the chat. So I just want to thank everyone that came, especially you uh, California folks. Uh, Phil, final words, and then we'll say good night. Final words, thanks to all of our listeners and our subscribers. We love you guys. Without you guys, we wouldn't be doing this because if we had 14 people in the chat and we had uh, a dozen subscribers, there would be no sense in doing this. But we uh, continue to move forward. Uh, keep uh, giving us the thumbs up and subscribing. Uh, this was one hell of a case that uh, it just took us. It takes over uh, your life, so to speak, or all the different moving parts is some of the previous cases. Same thing. It just seems like uh, every minute of every day in the last few days and wherever I went, I had a radio on. I was trying to catch some uh, media on the TV just to stay plugged into the case, but uh, just happy that uh, there were no Innocent civilians hurt, no law enforcement officers hurt. Unfortunately, she lost her life and uh, condolences to her family and friends and the other members of the uh, correction department where she worked. Um, and uh, anything, you know, we'll monitor the situation. Anything new pops up, we'll get right on it. Folks, thank you so much for coming by tonight. Police off the cuff, real crime stories. God bless and have a great night. Stay safe, everybody, and good night. So just ain't enough